are listening to Dairy Voice, a podcast exclusively for the dairy industry. Dairy Voice podcast is sponsored by National DHIA. National DHIA serves the dairy industry in advancing dairy information services. They lead the dairy information industry to create, utilize, and support world-class information resources that are accurate, credible, and uniform. To find out more, go to dhia.org. Welcome to the final episode of Dairy Voice in this miserable year of 2020. Notice I didn't use what is now a tiresome word, unprecedented, and I'm not going to. First of all, we want to extend our condolences to the families and friends of the hundreds of thousands of people who have died as a result of COVID-19. We know in rural areas, this is hitting closer and closer to home. It is miserable with closed schools and businesses and the disruption of people's lives in ways large and small, even if illness did not touch them directly. The disruptions in the food chain have extended all the way from the farmyard to the dinner table, as we know only too well. And all of this against the backdrop of what I would call an ugly election season. But no matter, dairy producers and their cows have continued to make milk, even though with their farm businesses under some of the same and some new pressures. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. As we close out this old year and look ahead to 2021, I'm really happy to be joined by my longtime business colleague and friend, John Ellsworth of Success Strategies a financial and management consulting firm with a long record of helping dairy producers and farmers. As many of you know, he is a regular columnist in our Dairy Business Digital Magazine and a frequent guest in our recorded interviews. John, welcome to Dairy Voice. Thank you, Joel. I'm glad to be with you and uh, wish you a happy holiday season. I would agree with you completely that 2020 has certainly been characterized as volatile. It has been one wild um, kind of a roller coaster ride, if you will, with highs and lows. And I, th- I think overall, uh, at least in my clientele, I think it's, it's a year that will be remembered as being pr- fairly profitable. Um, and part of that, of course, is the huge uh, government intervention programs that were in place, which, while they did a lot of good for producers, of course, financially, uh, it, it added to the roller coaster. But... I think they really intervened when we were at a low point and like the April, May cheese prices of a dollar a pound. And we needed that. Uh, We really benefited from that as an industry. So in the short term, so I would agree it's tragic. Some of the things that's happened and I feel bad for those families impacted by it. Uh, But this has, from a financial perspective, um, volatility ruled in 2020, but uh, bottom line, I think uh, overall, we, um, my producers that I've worked with have done uh, relatively well. And we'll get into a little bit about why some factors that added or contributed to that as, as we move forward. As we look at 2021, uh, to me, that looks really interesting. Uh, excuse me, I'm not uh, quite as concerned about milk prices as I was. Production has been climbing, of course, and uh, but on a good note, on a positive note, exports have also been climbing, particularly to China, uh, South Korea, Asia, potentially now the United Kingdom with their Brexit uh, process being finalized. Uh, you know, the, if the PPD, the producer price differentials, aren't too dramatic this year, 
it it could be I think overall a good year. Uh, but I think as always, even when things look good, it's good to be prepared. We'll get into that a little bit later. But milk prices look relatively good right now for producers, at least in the short term. Uh, but I'm not so I'm a little hazy as we look out the uh, latter part of the year. Maybe it'll turn around and be very positive. Uh, feed prices, I think, are a big concern for producers right now. I think, uh, I think, John, neither one of us are holding ourselves out to be dairy economists, but I did hear uh, a well-regarded uh, dairy economist, Marin Bozik, uh, from the University of Minnesota, speak just recently on a webinar. And he was uh, concerned about the uh, increasing milk supply, expressed the hope, but not necessarily the conviction that we could export our way out of that. He recommended, and we can talk about this in a moment, uh, that producers really take uh, time to carefully consider uh, what their options might be on risk management. He made the point that farther out prices look at least reasonable at this point. And so he, he's been an advocate of risk management right along as folks who know Marin, uh, Dr. Bozik, excuse me, um, know his, his philosophy. He, he was concerned about the, the growing milk supply for sure. Yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree with him completely. I just feel like, you know, um, we don't call, you know, we don't call our insurance agent up at the end of the year and raise came with him or her because our house didn't burn down. And likewise, I think we need to, it, there's so much more volatility than there was 10 or 20 years ago that it used to be slow to change prices in the industry, but I think they can change pretty rapidly up or down based on worldwide events. And so I would, I would totally agree with him that, you know, the deadline for the dairy revenue protection was December 15th. So at the time of this recording, we're past that. Uh, but it's March 15th, I believe, of 21 for the for quarter number two of 2021. And uh, the DMC, the Dairy Margin Coverage Program, the deadline for that, I believe, is also passed. And I don't know that it's been extended. And I'm just not sure, but I don't think so. Uh, but those are the kind of things people need to be looking at. And it's one of a number of steps that I every year go through with clients. And and uh, they sometimes get tired of hearing that, but I think they don't get tired of getting more positive results. Dairy farmers know that the better they take care of their cows, the better their cows take care of them. And that's why we at Virtus Nutrition launched Energy 3 with Omega-3s, the healthy fat supplement that has many of the same fatty acids that are found in olive oil and salmon to help cows stay healthy and productive. Visit VirtusNutrition.com to learn more. That's V-I-R-T-U-S Nutrition.com. Yeah, regarding the extension of a deadline for sign-up, for the dairy margin coverage, uh, Dr. Bozik mentioned in the webinar I heard yesterday that uh, the new COVID uh, relief program just passed uh, and just signed, specifically forbids USDA to reopen or extend the deadline. So that for those who signed up good, and I think there was something like over 60, well over 60% of producers signed up. Excellent, okay. But, but for those who didn't, they're gonna, be, they're gonna need to look at other tools. Yes. And, and again, the, the Dairy Revenue Protection Program is there quarterly. It's too late for the first quarter of 21, but I don't, 
at this point, I don't see anything super dramatic on milk prices first quarter. So uh, it would be wise to look out second and third quarter. And I just think as a rule of thumb, it's, um, it needs to be looked at not as an expense, but as an investment, which you don't even pay for until the quarter has ended anyway. And you, if, you, if you're not in the money on, on collecting off those options, um, it would only be because the prices came in higher than you had sent your objectives at. And so you should have money to pay them. They aren't that huge. If, if you do collect on them, then you should likewise have a secondary source of revenue with which to pay those premiums. And is it perfect? I don't know. I'm not, if someone defined perfect for me, that would help. But I just, I just think it's really user-friendly program. And I've, I strongly advocate that producers should always be to some extent on, on this, uh, on the DRP program. And I'm fully in favor of the DMC, the Dairy Margin Coverage Program as well. But I, I think the nice thing about DRP is you can do it in tiers. You know, you can set up several different levels or tiers as I described them, just like you can with feed contracts. And I think the combination of those is a, is a very winning uh, combination. And as the experts say, including you, uh, you need to take a look at both sides of the equation, both the yes. revenue side and your cost side. Absolutely, because one of the problems of some of the older pre-existing programs that had been in place five years ago, 10 years ago, before DRP came out, you could get blindsided by, you know, having your milk covered very nicely and you think, wow, I'm really in the money. And then, bam, you get you get hit with a rapid change in feed prices, as we saw back in years like 2012, I believe. Uh, some some big changes and and we just got caught off guard. And again, I would say on the feed contracts, I think we need to forget about hitting home runs, you know, the all or none type of thing. And and again, do it in tiers uh, because really what we're trying to do is protect your margin, not not absolutely hit the most positive, absolute lowest feed price when we're dealing with commodities because they change so much. There's so much volatility. So the key is you can do that in several levels or tiers, whether it's corn or canola or whatever, soybean, whatever you're feeding that you contract. I think it's smart to just do it in tiers. When you see what looks like a relatively good buy, set a tier there. Uh, if it goes up, you're covered. Uh, if it goes down, grab some more, grab another tier, another 20% or 25% of your needs. And if it looks like a if it looks like a home run, maybe you want to grab the whole, you know, seventy five or eighty percent of your feed needs on a particular commodity. But I think again, tiers, uh, doing it in tiers, I kind of I'm just more comfortable with that. When you combine that with the price protection from DRP and DMC programs, uh, I think it's a winning combination. Well, I think. Uh, you are not alone in making those recommendations that people take a look at that. John, in your work with your clients, you, you work a lot with uh, a variety of, of uh, ag lenders and banks. Uh, what are you hearing from them? I mean, it, it appears that interest rates and inflation rates are remaining low, but uh, what are you seeing in terms of dairy lending and, and your, your banking connections? Well, I, Joel, I would I would respond by saying this. I think you're right that the interest rates 
the Fed is talking through 2023 will be relatively low by historical standards. Um, so if you are borrowing, it may not be a bad time to lock some some fixed rates in. Uh, but I, I, I would characterize banks in general as being uh, helpful. I think they help people through the last, uh, you know, when we had a four-year downturn two years ago, that was a tough period. Uh, not as dramatic as uh, 2009, for example, but it was a tough period for for banks to stay in the game and say, gee whiz, this will turn around because it was so uncharacteristic to have four consecutive or four and a half consecutive years, 15, 16, 17, 18, and the first half of 19 was barely a break-even year for most people. They hung in there. Uh, my hat's off to them for doing that. But I think we're in a, a little more positive game. But what I do see banks not necessarily requiring, but strongly advocating is things like we were just talking about. Contracts on feed, they like to see that. Uh, they like to see people using the Dairy Revenue Protection Program because the last thing any banker, contrary to popular opinion, the last thing any bank or banker wants to do is shut someone down. But they can't finance you into eternity when you're losing money, you know, two, three, four years in a row. So they like to see that margin protected by all their producers that they're financing. Because ultimately, you can only repay them out of profit. And they know that and they want, they want people to succeed uh, as dairy producers. A need or a requirement that they need you know, to show profitability and protect those margins. And those are tools that I think banks are looking at very closely. I would say more on the DRP, the dairy revenue protection, more than anything. I think lenders are, as they go into annual renewals for dairy producers, I see more lenders looking at and saying, you know, how much of your milk is protected? Because typically that has been, excuse me, the uh, greatest uh, point of volatility. Uh, that most producers have been hurt by in the past. And so I think they're watching that very closely and they're big advocates of it. And uh, the, the DRP program is a, is a fairly, as I explained earlier, pay in the future type of program. But there are, there are banks that there are lenders that will also do credit lines to do put options through brokerage firms, which I, is a great idea too. If they're, if they, uh, uh, if a producer wants to do so. And that takes uh, a whole nother level of, uh, of paying attention and understanding. Sure. But obviously, uh, a good many producers are using those tools, too. Well, I, I would respond by saying that just about all of my clients, well, in fact, 100% of my clients are either using the dairy margin coverage program and or using the dairy revenue protection program. And I believe you can use them in you know, to me, that should be a goal that every producer has. Uh, I am a big advocate, and I know people get tired of hearing about goals, but I think one of the goals we should always participate, shoot for is to be, be uh, positive on the bottom line and, uh, and ask, you know, the start of each year. For example, right now, as we look at 2021, what, what do you want to achieve in 2021? Along that same line, What's important now to getting that done? 
And I think that's, as we've discussed in the past, that's more a concept of working on the business rather than just working in the business. And gosh, you and I both know dairy producers work as hard in their business as anybody in the world. Um, but sometimes I think there's a need to work more on the business, thinking about things like new objectives for 2021. And not to dwell on the negative, but I, I have this term I call a disaster agenda too that I recommend. Not for days and days and days, but but to give some thought to what could potentially go sideways. And more significantly, how would you respond to those types of things? And the the positive that comes out of that is that if that does happen, you're already sort of pre-prepared with a, with a game plan or a semblance of a game plan. And, uh, and if it doesn't happen or something different happens, you know, you may be able to do some cross application there. The key is to be uh, thinking ahead and being prepared for both positive and negative things that can happen in any given year, of course. Well, if, if ever there was a time when uh, we think about an unexpected uh, terrible event, black swan event, if you will, certainly that's, sure. uh, that, that's, that's what we've seen this year for uh, not only farmers, but every business. Yeah. You've always advocated, uh, uh, John, even in these times of, of uh, volatility, uh, some of the what I'll call consistent business principles of cost control and efficient dairy management. Uh, and, and you've always advocated uh, for both of those approaches. Talk a little bit about that uh, in terms of your thinking and your, your client work. Well, I think the uh, cash flow analysis to me is, is kind of like a minimum basic requirement for knowing where, you're, where you are financially month by month. And, and not taking it away from the accounts because I think they do a fabulous job. But uh, I think that someone needs to know that more on a monthly basis. You know, where are we going on labor costs, for example? In, in the case of labor, it's probably up. But you need, we always need to know where, where we stand on various costs. And uh, there are industry standards. You have, if you're doing this regularly, you have your historical standards. and Along with cash flow analysis, I call it break-even analysis. If, I've, if I'm getting $15 for milk, but I'm losing a dollar hundred weight, I know that I've got to get at least to $16, you know, a dollar higher to break even. Or I have to lower some costs. And the beauty of that is that just knowing that information will prepare or set someone up for success. Because if I know I have to cut a dollar of costs, I may not be able to do that. Maybe I'm in an older facility and there's no way I can get these costs down lower. Then somehow I have to eke out a little more production per cow, for example, or I need to get a higher milk price. But the break-even analysis of doing this cash flow analysis is really monumental to, to knowing where you want to set your prices within the DRP program uh, or within the uh, any options program you do through a brokerage firm. And I, I just think that's monumental information to have in hand. The, the point of all cash flow analysis for me is this, and I've said this in articles before. I, I think if you measure something such as cash flow, you'll understand it. If you understand it, 
you'll learn how to control it. And if you can control it, the ultimate victory for a producer is that you can improve it because it's hard to make improvement um, in any monumental amounts unless you know where you currently are standing. And I, I think that's uh, that's a real plus for producers to uh, to do this cash flow analysis. And it's it's something they can do themselves through QuickBooks and programs like that. Um, and that's what all my producers use. And then I have an analysis program that I run their numbers through an Excel spreadsheet that I've built. And uh, I find it pretty useful. And sometimes we catch things, uh, expenses that are a little bit out of control. We will definitely catch them before they do a quarterly or semi-annual uh, CPA prepared financial statement too. So, and isn't that the ultimate win? Well, John, as we as we wrap up here with this episode, this is the time of year when we often take a moment to look ahead, make some plans, maybe even make some resolutions, if you will. What are you seeing your clients doing, and and what are you recommending? I think we we have a program that I'm working on uh, based on the book Upstream, uh, which was written by Dan Heath. And I, I think it's an excellent book. I've given it to my clients this year for Christmas in 2020 because I want to start thinking about how can we not put out fires, not just put out fires, but rather also how can we prevent new problems from happening kind of ahead of the game, if you will. And I don't want to spoil the story, but I highly recommend his book called Upstream. I, I think one of the things we need to think about as we go into the new year is Every business, whether it's yours, mine, a dairy operation, any kind of business, you either get better or you retreat compared to other operations in your industry. And so constantly, I think the most important question to be asking is, what can you do? What can you change? What can you improve? What can we do better? In the case of a dairy, whether it's cow flow through the milk barn, cow comfort, the amount of pounds per cow or perhaps the pounds produced per man is something valuable. Are there opportunities to automate some things so you can really focus on the things that can't be automated? I think those are all good questions to ask at the end of any given year as you enter a new year like 2021. And I, I think also I would encourage producers to realize that uh, 2021 is a new challenge. It's just like the start of every year. There may be a little more uncertainty than some years we faced in the last 10 or 20 years. You know what? I think the encouraging thing is the score is tied. It's zero to zero right now. It's the beginning of a new game. So the thing to focus on really is what do you want to improve in your business this next year? This process, and then what are the steps we need to do to get there? Who's involved and how soon can we get them done? That process has worked for my clients for the last 22 years pretty successfully. I think it'll work in 2021 as well. Well, John, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts and insights with us today. We, we look forward to working with you for a better 2021 all the way around. And we wish you and your family a happy new year. And as we say these days, stay safe. Thank you. And to our listeners, very best wishes for your new year. And we want you to stay safe as well. For Dairy Voice, I'm Joel Hastings at DairyBusiness.com.